Welcome to Superior Central Library's podcast, your place for stories, poetry, messages from your teacher, and announcements from your library. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, May 27th, and I am excited to continue reading Stolen Treasure at Pictured Rocks with you. Last night, it was so hot at our house, we were going to plant the garden, but the little bugs were so terrible that we decided to go to the beach to Lake Superior. And guys, Ben is completely right. That water is freezing. I thought to myself on the way to the car, it's going to be so nice to be completely in the lake. I barely got up to my knees before my toes were numb. So maybe you went out swimming lately or are planning on going soon. Just know you're going to spend more time on the sand, playing in the sand, than you will swimming. All right, let's get to our story, guys. I hope you enjoy. Stolen Treasure at Pictured Rocks by Mary Morgan. Chapter 5. Binoculars. Where did I put my binoculars? Searching through the camper, Ben found them in the bottom of his backpack, under his goggles and snorkels, which he had brought just in case they went swimming. That isn't happening anytime soon, he muttered under his breath, as he pulled out the binoculars and darted back out to the car. He would get a better look at the shipwrecks under the surface of the clear water with his binoculars. His parents could only smile as he climbed back into the car. Usually one of them forgot something and had to go back for it, and this time it was Ben. At the boat dock in Munising, they noticed the parking lot was filled with cars. I hope there's room for four more people on the boat, Mom remarked. Let's hurry and catch it before it leaves. The sun was bright in a cloudless blue sky. That meant there would be perfect views of the ships down below and plenty of stories of the storms that took them down. You folks got here just in time, said the ticket taker at the dock. Hurry aboard and get your seats. We leave in three minutes. Wow, said Ben, taking a window seat. That was close. Before long, the boat was moving out into the lake, creeping along at a slow speed. So far, so good. As they came to the sights of shipwrecks, everyone leaned over the railings to get a better view. Looking through his binoculars, Ben saw things much closer than those without them. He hoped to see inside the portholes and windows for something valuable. He was fascinated to learn ships like the Michael Grow and the Mary M. Scott sunk over 100 years ago and were still there. Many ships hit the cliffs during storms and just and sank just off of pictured rocks shoreline. Between shipwrecks, Ben used his binoculars to get a better view of ships in the distance sailing towards faraway ports. Listening to the narrator, he learned that iron ore carriers looked like big barges, and freighters with flags from other countries passed through to get grain and lumber in other ports. Ben wondered if any of the ships had trouble with pirates. For two hours, they traveled along the coastline. It was amazing to see rock formations shaped like bongo drums, an Indian head, and some with lookouts hanging over the edge. 
Becca was busy taking pictures while Ben used his binoculars. At one point, he saw an eagle soaring overhead and watched it land in a high tree. He was glad he went back for them. One minute later, he spotted kayakers between them and the shore. Becca, I think I see Eli and his dad with a group of other kayakers. Look over there, he said, hanging his bino- handing his binoculars to her. She put the strap over her head. Wow, it's them, she said, excited to actually be seeing them in their kayak. They're going into a cave under the cliffs. That would be so much fun. Maybe we can do it sometime. As she looked through the binoculars, Ben looked up at the overlook on the cliff and spotted someone who looked like they were having a problem. Becca, let me have my binoculars, quick. Someone's doing something weird up there. She whipped the strap back from around her neck and gave them back. Ben watched the action carefully. At that very moment, a splash was heard on the other side of the tour boat, causing a big commotion. Man overboard! Someone throw him a life preserver! Becca and almost everyone else ran over to see what had happened. Several people tried to reach out for the man, but he was way beyond their grasp. Someone ran for a life preserver while another person grabbed a life-saving pole. The man kept yelling for someone to save him. Ben didn't move. He kept his binoculars aimed at the man on the cliff's overlook. Something was suspicious. The man wasn't in trouble. He was signaling someone using flags. Since there were no other boats nearby, The signals had to be set for someone on their boat. Ben knew messages could be sent using semaphore, handheld flags. They were squares divided into triangles. Each letter of the alphabet had a different movement. His father had been a Boy Scout and learned the alphabet and the movements for a merit badge. Since Ben was a Cub Scout, his dad taught him the semaphore alphabet and together they practiced saying things to each other. Two years ago, his dad he took his dad to school for show and tell, surprising even his teacher. His friends were amazed when his father spelled out the message, I am Ben's dad. It was a proud day. Watching the man on the overlook, Ben thought the guy spelled out the words, meet me tonight. Just then, the tour boat lurched, and turned. What did that message mean, and who was it meant for? Ben thought to himself. Just then, Becca came running over to him. Ben, you missed it. A man fell into the lake and had to be rescued before he froze to death. The boat captain threw him a life preserver so he wouldn't drown. I got a picture of him in the water and then of him being pulled out. He's lucky to be alive. Wow. Where is he? Let me see. The man was wrapped in a blanket inside the captain's cabin trying to get warm. Another man was talking to him with excitement in his voice and pacing back and forth in the cabin. Ben leaned towards the window to get a better look and overheard some of what they were saying. Yes, I got the message, the pacey man told the man in the blanket. Falling into the lake was perfect decoy. I don't think anyone saw Tom up on the ledge. Just then, the man looked up and saw Ben looking at them. Get out of here, kid. Mind your own business, he snarled. Ben jumped back, 
surprised he had been caught snooping at them. What did these two men have to do with Tom, the man up on the ledge, he wondered. Something just wasn't right. He smelled a mystery in the air. He and Becca would have to do a little investigating. He could see the headlines in the newspaper already. Reporters, kids, catch crooks in the act. But first, there was something he needed. Proof of who was involved. Being a reporter's son was coming in handy. Chapter 6 Every good story should be backed up by a picture. Turning back around towards the boat's railing, he quietly signaled his sister to get closer to him and then talked almost under his breath. Becca, you took a picture of the guy in the water, right? Yeah, why? Shh, I need you to do me a favor and fast. What? Without anyone letting you see you, put your camera up to the window and take a picture of those two guys, okay? Why? I can't explain right now. Can you just do it? Ben said, trying not to get annoyed with her. She really was a good sister, but her thousand questions could get rather annoying sometimes. Do you think they'll get mad? Don't worry about it. Just take the picture. Now he was annoyed. Becca slowly lifted her digital camera, snapped a picture, and pulled the camera back down quickly. But she didn't move fast enough. The flash caught the men's attention. The man who had growled at Ben lunged toward the door. Seeing Ben, he yelled, I thought I told you to mind your own business. Get away from us, now. His loud voice caused many passengers to look in their direction. Ben and Becca practically jumped overboard in their haste to get away from the cabin door. The boat captain came around the bow of the boat just in time to see the twins running the length of the boat in search of their parents. What happened to you two? Asked their mother when she saw the look of terror in their faces. We were taking pictures of the man who fell overboard when his friend yelled at us, Becca confessed. I think you two have better say by us for the rest of the cruise. Have you even heard much of what the narrator has been saying? Some of it, Ben replied. But I think something big is happening, and I bet those two guys in the captain's cabin are involved. What do you mean by that? Becca asked. Her eyes suddenly got bigger. She thought she was just taking a picture of the two men. You almost got us into trouble. Did your nose for news start sniffing again? Their mother asked them. Ben looked around to be sure no one was watching or listening before he began his story. When the guy fell into the lake, I think he did it on purpose to distract anyone from seeing what was going on up at the cliff. The more he talked, the more excited his voice got. I was watching Eli and his dad kayaking through my binoculars when I spotted a guy up on the lookout with flags in his hands. He started sending semaphore signals spelling out words. His hands started doing motions. What was he signing? asked their dad when he heard a semaphore signal were involved. Meet me tonight. Meet me tonight? questioned his sister. Yes, meet me tonight. It makes you wonder why would someone risk his life jumping into a freezing cold lake just so no one would see someone up on the ledge? Why couldn't they just use their cell phones? 
Becca asked. Yeah, the guy who jumped into the lake was crazy, if you ask me. I could only put my toe in for a second, declared Ben. He turned toward the shoreline again, putting his binoculars back up to his eyes to see if he could spot the man in the cliff again. But instead of seeing the stranger again, he saw something that made him take a double look. More suspicious action. Chapter 7 The tour boat was about to go beyond the rocky cliff area where a stream fed into Lake Superior. The narrator mentioned there were waterfalls several miles away which flowed down the stream and ended up at Lake Superior near the Overlook. Years ago in that very spot, a number of ships hit the rocks during storms and sank. The water was crystal clear, so canoers and kayakers had a good view of things down below. Looking towards the shoreline through his binoculars, Ben thought he saw someone get out of a canoe, reach down into the water, and then put something into the canoe. The person looked in the direction of the tour boat, climbed back into the canoe, and paddled quickly up the stream beside the cliff walls and out of sight. Becca, quick, take a picture of that canoe. What canoe? She aimed her camera and clicked. Mom, Ben said excitedly. I think I just saw someone take something out of the water and put it into his canoe. I think he stole something from the shipwreck. What did it look like? I couldn't tell, but it wasn't very big. Did you get a good look at the person's face in your binoculars? No, he was too far away, but I could tell the canoe was painted camouflage colors. Mom frowned. Remember, the ranger said no one can take anything out of the water. That guy is breaking the park rules. It makes you wonder what's so valuable for him to risk getting caught. As the canoe disappeared up the stream along the cliffs, the tour boat narrator pointed out Miner's Castle. Miner's Castle, Ben exclaimed. That's where Eli and his dad were going. We'll have to ask them if they saw a camouflage canoe pass them today. Two freaky things happened in one day. What was going on? During the rest of the boat ride, Ben kept his binoculars glued to the shoreline and cliffs where Becca kept her camera ready to snap a picture. There was definitely something suspicious happening around pictured rocks, and they were the eyewitnesses. Chapter 8 After they returned to the dock in Munising, Ben and Becca couldn't wait to get to the Pictured Rocks Visitor Center at Sand Point to report what they had witnessed. Ranger Greg frowned as he listened to their story. People stealing marine artifacts is the biggest problem we have at the park. Marine what? asked Ben. Marine artifacts. They're items which come ashore from sunken ships, mainly after storms, like doorknobs and brass portholes or lengths of chain and sometimes even anchors. Wow, Becca exclaimed. Do they just lie on the beach? Yes, until sand buries them or a storm takes them back out into the water or someone steals them. He asked with, he said with concern in his voice, why do you think it's important to leave things alone when you see them on the beach? Because if everyone took something before long, there wouldn't be anything left for other people to look at she answered, repeating what she had heard yesterday. Exactly. 
That's why we count on people like you to do the right thing by not picking up any maritime artifacts and reporting someone who does. Sometimes we are able to catch people with items in their cars before they leave the park, and then they're in big trouble. Ben's eyebrows shot up. Really? Yes. Anyone caught with stolen goods has to pay a very big fine. We have a museum at the end of the National Shoreline in Grand Marais, filled with displays from shipwrecks. Some are the things we took out of people's cars and campers. As he talked, Ben and Becca's eyes got bigger, just thinking of being in that much trouble. There was no way they were going to pick up anything from a shipwreck. Now, let's make the rest of your visit in the park a good one. Turning towards their parents, Ranger Greg gave them brochures and maps with ideas for day hikes to waterfalls and beaches along the lakeshore. He then gave Ben and Becca junior ranger booklets filled with assignments to work on. They looked at pictures of birds and trees and waterfalls, animal tracks, and other things they needed to identify. He was going to make their time at Pictured Rocks very interesting. I hope you can complete the books before you leave, Ranger Greg said to the twins. You'll learn the history of our park. See how Indians used to catch fish and discover what birds and animals call this their home and hike around a few trails. I hope you have good hiking shoes, he said, looking down at their feet. Both were glad they had on their tennis shoes because every trail they saw on the map had a long path and lots of stairs to climb. The ranger continued with information. There is one word that best describes our park. It has to do with the many people that have lived here, all the industries that were here, sites to see and animals that live in it. It starts with the letter D. It's mentioned in your book, but that is the only hint I'll give you. When you finish the books, bring them back and they'll give you something special. Cool, said Ben, looking at his copy. Oh yeah, one last thing, the ranger added. If you happen to be on the beach and you see a striped bird with orange legs, have fun watching it run with its stop and start movement. It's the piping plover and it's considered an endangered species. They run along calling out with a shrill bell or a whistle sound. There used to be hundreds of them along Lake Superior, but now there are only 20 pairs left. You might see their nests in the sand and grass by the shore. Please don't go near them. Ben closed his book. Can we have another one? We have a friend who's out kayaking with his dad and he can do it with us. Sure. It's a great way for every junior ranger to learn more about our park and how to preserve it. Turning towards Mr. Cooper, the ranger said, I suggest you go to Hurricane River Campground and take the trail out to the Osabo Lighthouse Station. Hurricane River, Ben interrupted. That's where we're camping. Oh, great. Then it will be easy for you to find. How long is the hike out to the lighthouse? Asked Dad. It's about a mile and a half walk. You will have woods on one side and underbrush on the other but there are lots of places where you can look through and see Lake Superior. If you time it right, you might see families of loons swimming nearby looking for a fish dinner. Did you know they can stay underwater for five minutes looking for fish? They have razor sharp beaks, so don't mess with them. Loons, thought Becca. 
I just saw a picture of a loon in my junior ranger book. If we see one, I'm going to take a picture and show my friends. There aren't any loons in Lansing. Ranger Greg kept talking. You can take a tour of the lighthouse and the home where the lightkeeper's family lived. The lighthouse was built in 1874 and has helped guide many ships around the tricky waters in the harbor ever since. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, many more ships would be laying underwater in Lake Superior. Just then, Mom came over with a stack of brochures in her hand. I have enough ideas here to last us all week. Let's look at them while we eat our picnic lunch and decide what to do first. Thanking the ranger for his help, they all headed outside. Munching on their sandwiches at an outdoor table near the visitor center, Becca discovered they could walk behind waterfalls. And Ben looked on the map for the cliff overlook where he saw the guy making the hand signals. Dad thought the log slide looked interesting while Mom looked at the variety of wildflowers growing everywhere. Picking up her junior ranger book, Becca said, Ben, let's make this a scavenger hunt and see if we can do them all. Turning the pages in her book, she noticed a warning about leaving big fishing nets in the water. Oh no, look what it says can happen to loons when they dive underwater for fish. And she closed her eyes fast. Chapter 9 The books instructed them to identify trees growing in the forests, so a hike seemed the natural thing to do. They all agreed to head for the trail to Miner's Falls. Dad, isn't it near the lookout at Miner's Castle? Ben asked, wanting to see the overlook where the man had seen, sent the semaphore message signals. Looking at the map, Dad said, Well, it looks like we could walk to the falls and then drive on over to the overlook. Then let's go, Ben said, eager to get there. Walking along the trail, they made notes in their books of the trees and birds they saw. Everyone was glad for the shoes they had chosen to wear, especially on the steps leading to the platform overlooking the falls. Some were wet and slimy from the mist in the air. They could hear the rush of water falling over rocks and knew they weren't fall far from the falls. How many steps do you think there are? asked Mom, looking straight ahead. One hundred, gasped Becca. I'm going to count them and see how close I was. Ben took off at a trot, hanging onto the handrail. He knew if he didn't, he'd hear one of his parents telling him to be careful. A small stream ran along some of the steps, and a salamander perched himself on top of a twig. He stopped to look at it. You probably think you're camouflaged and I can't see you. You're kind of like the canoe I saw, he thought. If you had a good place to keep it, it might make a fun pet. As if the salamander could read Ben's mind, he dashed away under a bush. Ben kept going and beat everyone to the falls overlook. 77, he heard Becca call out as she stepped onto the platform and went right to the railing. Wow, look at the waterfalls, she exclaimed. Can someone get my picture? I want to show this to Hannah when I get home. Her friend Hannah took pictures on vacations and showed them to Becca all the time. Wait a minute. Are these the waterfalls you can walk behind? She asked. I want my picture taken with the water falling all over me. No, these aren't the ones, Mom informed her. But why don't both of you get in the picture? 
Ben preferred to sit on the rail while his sister just stood by it. She had no desire to fall 50 feet backwards into the water below. Mom held her breath while taking the picture. Visions of Ben flipping backward were more than she could think about. Okay, 77 steps means 77 steps up and then a mile back to our car, a voice behind them said. Turning to see who it was talking, Ben saw two ladies who looked old enough to be grandmothers smiling at him. Hi there, one of them said. Where are you from? Lansing. Oh, that's nice. What's it like to live in the capital city? It's okay. There's lots more people and places to go than there are up here. Where do you live? We live in Newberry, not far away. I come to Picture of Rocks each summer and visit where I grew up. My grandfather and father were the lighthouse keepers at Osable Point, so we walk out to visit my old home. You lived in the lighthouse? Ben asked, hardly believing he was meeting someone who really grew up at the lighthouse. Yes, it was very lonely and cold, particularly in the winter time. For many years, there wasn't a road out to it. You could only get to it by boat, and then you needed to climb up the sand dune hill it's built on. Becca couldn't help overhearing them, so joined in the conversation. Did you like living there? I had two brothers, and sometimes we were able to have friends stay overnight with us. My father would always have the lights on to help guide the ship safely into the harbor. They used to use kerosene, but now they have electricity and solar panels. Plus, the lights are on timers, making it easier for everyone. Ships still need to the light so they don't crash into the rocks. Did you ever see a ship crash and sink? Ben asked, always wanting to hear dramatic stories. Well, yes and no. We had many storms that seemed to toss ships around, and sometimes they came dangerously close to the rocks near Osable Point. But I didn't actually see one sink. My grandfather saw several ships go down. They didn't have the sturdy built ships like we do today. Did you ever hear about the Edmund Fitzgerald? No. Well, it was a large ship that sank in a bad storm on Lake Superior in November of 1975. I remember like it was yesterday. News about it spread all over the country, and a song was written about it. The bell and other artifacts are in the museum at Whitefish Point over near Sault Ste. Marie Locks. People up here called them the Sioux Locks. Have you ever been there? No. It's got lots of interesting things from ships that you might like to see. And you would hear stories about storms on the Great Lakes. Your family will have to go there someday if you like old ships. For sure, you'll have to visit my lighthouse. We'll go there tomorrow. One hike is enough for us. Hey, Dad, this lady used to live at the lighthouse and she's going there tomorrow. Can we hike there too? I think that's a great idea. Who knows? Maybe we'll see you ladies there. Turning to Ben and Becca, he said, I think it's time for us to head back to our campsite and see if Eli and his dad has had as much adventure as we did. That is all for today, guys. I hope you are enjoying Stolen Treasures at Pictured Rocks by Mary Morgan. Tune in tomorrow to hear the next bit of the story. Have a great day.